computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a registered basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Registered basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Welcome to the Lakers Exceptionalism podcast streaming on Twitch TV slash Lakers Exceptionalism pod. And my name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, a.k.a. Crangers McBasketball. And Tim, uh, we are coming out of the weekend. How was your weekend, first of all, my guy? Not too bad. Uh, it was good to have some time off. Finally home. I, I'd been traveling and seeing family, so it's it's good to be home. I've been gone for the past month. Um, nice to sleep in your own bed. How about you? Uh, it was pretty good, man. Um, just chilling out, hanging, trying to do, I'm working on an intro for this Twitch stream, but, uh, I've got, like I said before, lofty ambitions and <clears throat> so it's taking longer than I wanted, but it's pretty damn cool and I'm excited to show you guys. But yeah, today we were going to jump into kind of the, the defense, at least for a couple pods here and try to zoom in and see what these new additions offer. Some maybe their strengths, maybe their weaknesses to see how we can fit them into a similar role that Vogel had last year in his defensive scheme that helped the Lakers win the championship. So, uh, yeah, Tim, why don't we jump into it today with, uh, Dennis Schroeder? Obviously any guards or, uh, you know, smaller guys out there are going to have a little bit different responsibilities and ball screen actions. And let's try and pull up, if you're ready, some of the data for Schroeder or see at least like get a feel for who he is as a defender. Or do you have anything to kind of set everybody up with? No, that's what we can start there. Uh, we're thinking we'll go through guards, then the wings, then the bigs. Really today we're talking about what does the defense look like for this team moving forward? How do these new pieces fit in among what we do have, how can we potentially use guys better for the new guys we're bringing in? How can we potentially use them better? Because especially for those players coming from other teams, they, in our minds, they may be who they were for the Clippers or the Thunder or whoever. But if we can tweak how we use them or what position they play or the environment around them, we might be able to unlock certain pieces of their game that we haven't quite seen in the past. And for our guards group wings and bigs. I have at least one guy in each category that I think if you were to change their defensive role, and that's something we've talked about in the past, it it could make a little bit more out of them. So let me pull up Schroeder. I am in his basketball index player profile. And we can see from this, he's very largely defending ones and twos. His defensive role was the point of attack. Okay, no defensive badges that mean much for him. His defensive uh, matchup difficulty was a B plus, so he, it's not like he was being hidden on defense or anything. From a versatility standpoint, D plus isn't too impressive. That will, if, if we go back down to who he's actually spending time defending, yeah, he's he's guarding point guards a lot. About thirty seven percent of his time, he'll guard twos, and then threes and fours not so much but around 10 percent of his time and then he's not spending a whole lot of his time on defense guarding centers i would hope not his data in terms of guarding all stars or all nba players or whatever is pretty average so that's just uh giving you a sense of what his job has been in terms of who he spent time defending that's what the numbers look like we are taking a look here now at his perimeter defensive data on his player profile and this is really more activity based than necessarily proficiency related we can see some of these metrics. So we have a a passing lane defensive number from that D rating. We can tell that he's not all that active at getting deflections or getting those uh, off ball interception sorts of uh, steals, but he is pretty active when it comes to picking guys pockets. He has a B rating there for that pickpocket rating. Those are the on ball steals that we're looking at when he's on the court. He does have a, a good, strong impact on his team's ability to generate turnovers, and we see that in his real adjusted turnover rate, higher than 94% of players. So that's that's positive. Uh, if we look at the interior defense that he's played with in the lineups he's been in, it hasn't been good. So that can explain some of the more raw data that you might see for him. Uh, as an interior defender, he's he's really not, not that at all. Looking at his impact, so from a PIPM standpoint, a minus, really good. RPM standpoint, B plus, really good. 
uh, Raptor, which is 538 metric, B plus really good. So he, he in that point of attack role was strong last season. And I would anticipate the Lakers look to keep him in that role. And actually another cool thing, if we look at his rebounding, so he hasn't had that many chances. He's only had about six chances per 75 possession, possession. So about per game. He's only had about four defensive rebounds per 75 defensive possessions. Uh, but looking at all of the different metrics around how often his teammates are boxing out, how far he is from the rebounds he's getting, all of those different things, uh, and looking at this 71% success rate, his defensive rebounding uh, success rate plus minus is actually in the 88th percentile. That's an A minus. So we would say that given the context he's been in, when he has an opportunity to win a defensive rebound, he's done a pretty good job for himself. So that that's a little context around him. But we also see from this box out rate that he's not boxing out all that much. And that F and that A minus together end up with this C minus real adjusted defensive rebounding rate, which shows us when he's on the court, how well does his team rebound uh, and, and collect those defensive boards? And it's been about average, a little bit below average. I, watching some of his data last night, it's um, or it's watching some of his film. Excuse me. He he has a tendency to kind of step out a little bit too far onto the ball screener or onto the ball handler, and he he ices a little bit too late sometimes. Sometimes just general miscommunication with the other player in the pick and roll. So, uh, you know, that's just really hard to know whether that's his fault. Um, I noticed some effort stuff where he uh, could be a little upright. He does a good job in that first clip that sure. we showed. So, and I can add some more context too. So, uh, and I also have, just like we used last time, if you go to menti.com, you can type in the code 11-32-30-0, and I'll, I'll put that in the chat. You can fill in from your perspective. Let us know what are you most worried about with this Lakers defense? Is it the shot blocking? Is it the wing stoppers? Is it our, our ball screen defense? What, what does that happen to be? I'm going to type that code in right now. Um, nice. so we'll, we'll take a look at that in a second. But, uh, another thing about his defense that I, I was trying to share, but I, I guess you guys couldn't hear me all that well with the audio and the clips was when he's a ball screen defender, he from a technique standpoint does a pretty good job. Uh, mm-hmm. he's just small just physically. And a lot of times when I see him struggle with ball screens, it's because he's being knocked off balance and just not able to physically recover and use the speed and quickness that we have. We know he has to be able to get around those screens. Now, what he does to avoid that is some of that jumping forward is smart. Um, we see this with mass with Wes Matthews as well. If you can move forward and get in front of that screen as it's coming, you, you can oftentimes avoid it and, and just not have to run around it if you're able to get around it as it's being set. That also oftentimes results in that screener trying to then extend the screen again, which can draw offensive fouls. Um, but he does that to get around. And then once he is around, we'll see in a couple of these clips that he does a really good job mirroring the offensive player's footwork. So he jumps when they jump, his right foot's moving when their right foot's moving. And he's, even though he's not a towering guy, he's smaller physically, he's in the right position and able to do about as good of a job as he can do given, given his physical limitations. All right, Tim. So I've, uh, pulled up a clip here that we're playing in the Twitch stream. This is on Harden, ball screen on Harden. Yeah. Nice kind of getting into the, into the ball handler defense there. So yeah, hopefully you're catching up right about now, Tim, but this is harassing. This is see. He gets low at least into a stance at one point, which sometimes is my issue with him. He doesn't seem to always get lower, kind of get ready. But yeah, he, he's active, he's handsy. He, that can lead to over fouling, but in this particular play, it's pretty good defense here on James Harden. Yep. He mirrors well. We see the, uh, high hands. We see him not jump for the pump fake, but get ready to. We see him. Uh, work around that screen pretty well. And I, I think just in general, do a good job. You see part of why he has that B pickpocket rating. He's able to use those hands and go after guys in ball screens and make them just a little bit uncomfortable. And if you can throw off an offensive player's rhythm, that can do a lot to help your defense, even if, you know, you're not going to like block their shot. All right. So uh moving on to a couple other plays here. Oh yeah. This is the play we just watched before. So we can watch this again. Like how he goes over the top and closes that angle. 
again, back pressure. That's, that's going to be his role in my opinion on this team is I don't think the Lakers defensive scheme changes very much. So if you watch here as he goes over the screen, his job is to keep going hard here and not allow that pull up to be so easy for guys like Dame or Jamal Murray or all the great guards in the Western conference. You can pull up. Uh, and really punish this screen coverage. But so he's, he's good at that. He can be aggressive. And so he, this is where he follows and tracks well, um, mm-hmm. just to kind of keep with him, still stays on the inside part of his shoulder and gets back in front of, looks like Bryn Forbes there, maybe, or, or Derek White. I'm not sure, but yeah. Um, this is, a, this is a good defense as well. Just kind of staying in front of his guy, even though he makes the shot. I think that's pretty good, pretty good defense. Yeah, he, with all these clips, watch the mirroring of the footwork, watch him move forward. He hops forward to get a better angle to go around the screen. Like you said, that back pressure will be really important when the Lakers are playing drop coverage. We don't expect him to get all the way back in front all the time, but if he can just be enough of a nuisance in that rear view mirror and then have his hands in a position to try to deflect passes if they are going to that dump off, you can do a pretty good job just as a defensive unit in running ball screens. And another thing that OKC did quite often was switching mm-hmm. uh, ball screens or other actions. And so I think just in terms of taking a guy and sticking him in the Lakers scheme that was very much scrambling and recovering and you're going to have to defend all kinds of different guys. He's not the most versatile defender, but in terms of, identifying and diagnosing the situation and getting to wherever that open guy is and, and just doing that scramble drill, I think he'll fit pretty well just because I think that translates well from what OKC did last season to what the Lakers like to do. Awesome. Yeah. We were running this play against Boston here. And the thing I like is, yeah, that hop, that uh hop forward to close the gap, like you described with like Wesley Matthews, he hops, but he's square and that's good. Mm-hmm. You get into trouble, you know, like I said last pod where you hop and you give up an angle or you, your hop is too long and it gives the defender a chance to change direction and leave you in the dust. But this hop here closes the distance and makes Kemba use that screen a little bit higher, a little bit wider of an angle too. So he can't just step into that shot as easy. So yeah. Yep. That's, that's good. Good technique there. Where, where we will see him get in trouble is because he's smaller and because he has a higher center of gravity. And this is something you've mentioned. He'll be a little bit higher up in his stance at times. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't get that hop in and get around the screen and he gets bumped, you see it in one of these clips where he just kind of is like on one leg, uh, just trying to regain that balance before he's able to move it all. So mm-hmm. that is where I would hope uh, to, to try to see him improve a little bit, do that pre-work before the screen gets there. Because if, if he doesn't, then you run into that issue or get him lower in his stance. So you don't have to beat the guy around the screen, but you want to be able to trail effectively and at least uh, try to become a nuisance for them in some respect. So overall, I think he's still good. I think there's some room for improvement in those specific areas. And I think we've seen some of the specific technique that he uses to be uh, the type of defender. We've seen him be pretty consistently with ball screens. All right, bud. So we got one coming up here. Uh, some more screen coverages against the Clippers. I know you're a little bit behind in the stream there, but, uh, I'm going to throw this to you and give you a chance to react because I'm going to try and queue up a few more of these plays. Uh, so yeah, you should be seeing it about now. He's going to, yeah, this is the ball screen coverages against the Clippers. All right. Yeah. I'm watching it right now. Yeah, that was the one where he's, uh, he's a little bit high in his stance. He's kind of like wheeling around, uh, rather than chasing. <laughs> It, it almost looks like he's trying to like it's say to the ref, hey, I'm not looking. doing anything wrong. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, yeah, it not, not the best clip. That was one of the, he's not doing a great job in his possession clips that I pulled. But again, this is kind of stance stuff to me and, and where he gets into like lackadaisical kind of defensive lapses. Uh, he's that, that's just, and you know, some guys do have a high center of gravity and that's just kind of how they're, you know, they're, body works but this is he he doesn't he's on his heels when the screen is coming at him kind of so mm-hmm. he's already lost you know he's he's hanging out yeah yeah he's trying to move forward but he's not leaning forward he's still kind of leaning back um there's a lot of little issues here with this he could have shot the gap there to try and avoid that screen 
um, some, some just like effort stuff. It seems like that or scheme that can improve some of this or maybe you just messed up, but yeah, that's like a, a matador with the red cloth, uh, there. He just like, Ooh. yep. Yeah. So, so I think we've covered Schroeder's pick and roll game. I, I think if we think about the guard rotation and what the defensive roles will be, you want to have point of attack defenders. If you don't have point of attack defenders, you're in trouble. We have Caruso and we have Schroeder as those point of attack defenders. You also want to have guys who can be more of the defense for those off ball guards, chasing dudes around screens. And you, you'll still do some point of attack, but it, again, it's all on a spectrum, but their primary job is going to be more as a chaser. And for that, KCP is really good at that. And Caruso is pretty darn good at that. Schroeder's okay. I would prefer to have him at the point of the attack where you get in trouble is if he's defending a larger point guard. And this is where we saw Harden give him a lot of trouble. Or if he's defending a guy like Luca, Luca gave him trouble in the past. You want to have him on like point guard, point guard, smaller dudes, um, at that point of attack, because that is probably the most effective way to use him. I think Caruso gives you a lot of flexibility because he's, he's just so versatile of a guard defender. He's just, it's such an incredible defensive piece because he can be point of attack. He can be a chaser and he's good at that. And he's also pretty good as a helper playing more off ball, rotating really smartly, uh, taking charges as a rotating defender, um, causing just a tiny little bit of, uh, trouble at the rim for guys at times um, and, and playing passing lane. So he, you can use it in a bunch of different ways. And that's why he's so important to this defense. Schroeder point of attack. That's what the way you want to use him. KCP, he had been a wing stop for this past season, which is crazy to me because we know that's not what he's best at. And he had a defensive PIPM. So, uh, and also defensive RPM. So two different impact metrics for his defense. He had F grades this past season. And with Raptor, he had a C minus. So by any of those measures, he was a negative impact defender this past season. And the Lakers defense was still fine regardless, but you want to put him in a better position to succeed. And if you think about what he was asked to do and what he could potentially be asked to do uh, related to what he's good at and what he's poor at, he would be much better off as a chaser. So I think bringing Wes Matthews in, and that's where I'm going next, is Wes Matthews allows you to bring in a guy who's Used as a, he was used as a chaser last season. He's better as a wing stopper. KCP was the opposite. If you can slot those two guys into better roles for them, you should be able to make more out of both of them. And we're not going to cover film on Caruso or KCP or the other Lakers defenders that have been on the team already. But Matthews, I think, is the next guy we'll get into. He's someone that we've talked about the on-ball defense, but I want to look at some of that off-ball defense and some of that ball screen defense because he doesn't, he does a couple things from a technical standpoint that are worth pointing out either as teaching points or things we'd love for him to either improve upon or just to kind of point out why he's good or bad in specific areas. Tim, why don't you pull up some of the data uh, for what Wes Matthews and I will hopefully be shortly behind. So I am pulling up his player profile right now. He has no guards or uh, no badges. Defensive role was as a chaser, as we said. He's actually fairly versatile. Uh, B versatility, his matchup difficulty, as we've mentioned before on a previous, previous pods, previous streams, A minus, or I'm sorry, A 99th percentile matchup difficulty. So this guy takes on tough matchups. He has been a wing stopper in the past. So putting him into that role makes plenty of sense. He's done it before. He's better at that than what he was asked to do last season as a chaser. If we look at his defensive rebounding, here's another guy that his numbers, his raw numbers aren't going to look great, but in terms of him actually winning his own battles, C plus for that success rate. And then adjusting for context, he was a B 69th percentile uh, defensive rebounder. So pretty good. And the team in Milwaukee was much better when he was on the court defensively in terms of collecting defensive rebounds. We've said before, someone mentioned in the comments, he's quick and thick, and I think we see that a bit. Um, his box out right here is a C, and that might not look very good, but let me pull up leaderboard. Uh, let's pull this one up, and we're going to look at the box out rate because the Lakers added three players who box out at really high rates. First, we'll look at guards, which is what Matthews is categorized as. And we're going to get rid of some of these other filters that we have in here. Make sure all teams are selected. Okay. So adjusted box out rate for guards who've played at least 500 minutes. And there are, let's see how many of those there are. 
138 of those, he ranked fifth in terms of how often, or I'm sorry, he ranked sixth in terms of how often he's boxing out. So contextualize a bit further, he's, he's, his first tendency oftentimes is to box out. So I think that's really positive. If we look at bigs now, you're going to see a couple names here that pop up. Montrez Harrell is fifth. And then if we go find Marcus Saul, he's not too far behind. He is also up here. He's 33rd at an A minus 90th percentile rating out of the 82 players. So we added three dudes who box out pretty often. And I think we'll see that be important uh, this upcoming season and give other players opportunities to run in, just swoop in, grab those rebounds and go. Uh, with Matthews, this is him again, right? Yeah, this is still Matthews. Uh, from a perimeter defensive standpoint, his passing lane defense, his pickpocket rating, they're not all that good. So if you look at just box score numbers to evaluate his defense, you're not going to get a whole lot from him or you're not going to see him as being a big positive. But we saw those other things be useful. He's versatile. He takes on tough matchups. This shot profile disruption metric looks at when he's on the court, how does the other team's shot profile change? Are they getting easier shots or more difficult shots? They're getting much more difficult shots when he was on the court relative to uh, that that Milwaukee Bucks defense in general. So he so was a Tim, pretty important. Yep. Did he take on tougher matchups than, than Chris Middleton? Probably. Let's take a look. I would assume so. Because he's question that, from the chat. Yeah, he was like fourth or fifth in the league. Uh yeah, Middleton is is a B, although was mm-hmm. was pretty versatile A minus. So that's yeah, that's them using Matthews as the primary defender. And that that proves to your metric as well that you know you want Chris Middleton uh to be spending most of his energy on the offensive end because that's where he's best. But um yeah, I watching the tape a little bit last night of Danny Green as well. Um, there's an athleticism that a speed that Wesley Matthews has that's probably a little bit closer to KCP than Danny Green at this point. But again, the size, multiple pressures from the back blocks by Danny Green help blocks, you know, so there's, there's a give and take here with what Matthews brings to the table, but he's definitely stronger than, than Schroeder and some of this stuff. I'll mention one more thing with, with Matthews, if we think about, so he was a chaser. That's not the best role for him. We'll get into why. Despite that, 97th percentile defensive PIPM, 96th percentile defensive RPM, 89th percentile defensive Raptor. He was a highly impactful, good defensive player, despite not being used optimally. Uh, and if we, if I think I pulled this up previously, if we look at the types of players he's defending, he was guarding those higher usage guards really often those mega creators and the higher usage wings really often as well. So he, he was pretty borderline between a chaser and a wing stopper, but if you move him more into a wing stopper role, I think that could be really important for what he's able to bring. He is only six, four, but he's been very good at this. We talked about that one-on-one on ball defense and how good it is and why it's good from a technical standpoint. Uh, I'm excited to get through some of the clips we're going to look at now. I will note that I think, the fact that the Lakers haven't added another guard to the rotation, I think Glenn Robinson the third would have been that guy to play that chaser role will mean that we're going to see Matthews used more as a chaser than is ideal for him. We're going to see a little bit of a repeat of what Milwaukee did with him last season, because if he's your shooting guard in the lineup, if you have like Caruso and then him defensively, because LeBron might play point guard on offense, but defensively he's not going to be guarding guards as often. If Caruso is your point of attack or Shooter's your point of attack, and then Matthews is the guy out there, he, whoops, my watch is talking to me. Um, <laughs> he, he might end up being your chaser when ideally he's more of a wing stopper, uh, but you'd rather have him be your chaser than like LeBron. So he, from a slotting standpoint, from a defensive role uh, perspective, may not be set up the best to succeed. You want him out there as a wing stopper with like, KCP is a chaser, Schroeder as your point of attack guy, and then Matthews as the wing stopper, I think is how you slot how he fits in. And the Lakers and the lineups they run, I think, will be really interesting in the playoffs because of the fact that he's like a guard offensively, but more of a wing uh, defensively, I think, for Matthews. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it's the position that the Lakers probably have the least depth in right now, and it might be the most important place to have uh reasonable depth there because yeah one West Matthews injury and you are 
just very, very sad about your wing defense. Um, so let's pull up a couple of these clips here. I think I got it all figured out. We should be looking at off ball now. So with these, what I want to point out about his defense, uh, just a couple of things. So from an efficiency standpoint, he was below average defending these situations from a suppression standpoint. So in terms of, you know, the defense runs a pin down, does the pin down result in a shot or are you able to like stop it? They don't even get a shot off. He was very poor in those situations. And mm-hmm. a big piece of that is his trail technique is, is not in I think just physically isn't where you want it to be. He doesn't do a good job trailing. And a lot of times you'll see this with him taking really big, long strides and then his momentum is moving him in a direction that doesn't let him change directions really well. So in ball screens, mm-hmm. when he's taking choppier steps, it's easier, but off ball sprinting full speed and then trying to change direction, he isn't very good at that. And I think some of it's technique, some of it's physical, but with a lot of these, you'll see that he may struggle just because of those longer strides to get to where he needs to get. Now that said, he does a good job getting back pressure. He does a good job defending, I think, with his hands uh, once he's trailing. But before he goes around the screen, he does too much trying to defend with his hands rather than his feet at times. So if you you can just keep rolling through these, you'll see, you know, defend with your feet instead of your hands, shorten those steps up, and he'll be more effective in these situations. Yeah, just pointing out here for our listeners on this first clip, it's semi-transition, and he's backpedaling, covering his guy, and he just doesn't notice that his guys keep going and his back pedal is out of position and he has to flip his hips all the way around to chase. And then, you know, the guy misses the shot, but he gives up a good three, four feet on a wide open, like 15 foot pull up. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just the hips not in position, right? It gets caught flat footed here. Once you're here in this moment, I paused it. That guy's got to step on you and the screen's coming. You're going to be multiple steps behind, uh, that play unless you just have crazy athleticism to close the distance, but that's not Wes Matthews anymore. In some of its awareness too, like you pointed out, it, it, he's losing early and he doesn't have the physical abilities and technique to make up for losing that battle early when mm-hmm. he's trailing. And, and a lot of times because of that, he's been more limited to trying to go around screens rather than trailing and just kind of hoping that shooter misses the shot. Uh, or, or like it just hoping they don't read that and then fade off of the screen. So there are ways to counter the way he tries to work around his, his limitations as a trail man. But he does get good back pressure. That's one thing he is good at. When he is able to recover, and we see this in ball screens too, he does a good job and he's large and he's got, he'll, he'll get in your rear view mirror and make life a little bit difficult for you if you can. All right, so now I just pulled up this clip here against the Warriors, another one. Uh, so Wes Matthews, just to set this up, it's uh, after a missed free throw attempt, and he's in the backcourt. He's going to kind of protect the rim, but he just lags too far off the shooter here. And they just come up and set a little screen for, it looks like, Kai Bowman. And he tries to shoot the gap here, but he doesn't have the this acceleration and he gives up a wide open. He might have even fouled the guy as well. Um, but, uh, so lots to keep watching for him. I'm going to pull up a couple different clips. Hope see if we can't keep rolling through some Wes Matthews tape here. Yeah. He can be a plotter at times defensively where he's, he's like moving, but he's not really moving fast. But yeah, he's, he's much better in those on ball screens than the off ball screens. It's a lot of it, I think is technique. So here he gets uh pinned pretty good in a, on a flare screen from Siakam. And part of this is that Giannis is kind of in his way to like lock and trail behind. Well, kind of, kind of gets screened by his own guy, but what are you seeing on this one here, Tim? Yeah. I see Giannis not really recognizing at all what's going on that that's, that hurts him. Uh, he's kind of in the way from him being able to trail. He goes over. There's a little bit of a, a grab there by Siakam as well, which, which makes life difficult. He moves. He's out of it b- with before that, that though. Yeah. He, he's got to be just closer to his man if he knows. Mm-hmm. And this is a Toronto team that I didn't pull all the clips for them, but they had been targeting Matthews defensively a, a lot of that game in terms of making him chase shooters off of screens. And so him, he, sh- he should have been more aware of that. And, 
you can't be a steps, a beat slow and out of position to start and not have the, the technique and quickness to get around those screens. So he needs to clean up a lot of this and it's hurt him in the past. If the Lakers can improve upon that, and I think it will be important for them to improve upon that because this is likely what he'll end up doing a lot of his time defensively, just because he just either teams won't have a wing for him to be a wing stopper against mm-hmm. as like the two guard in a lineup or three guard in a lineup, but he, he just might be that shooting guard a lot of times. And the style of defense he'll be asked to play won't best fit what he's best at. Look, man, like watching this film of these players, I watched some more of the film last night of Dwight and JaVale's minutes uh, defensively in the playoffs and like, say what you will uh about those guys and their athletic standpoint, they're better than Mark Gasol and Montrez Harrell still on defense. So defense is still a bit of a concern to me and whether or not the Lakers got better long-term offensively enough to make up for that. We'll see. I, I think they did, but it's stuff like this where you're watching like, Oh man, Danny Green is underappreciated in these ways. And you know, with Wes Matthews kind of a step down from that and Harold and Gasol a little bit stepped down from that, both like physicality and like athleticism, length, you know, defense at the rim. I'm, I'm more concerned than I was at the beginning, Tim. I think we've flipped, uh, kind of our, our roller coaster paths here. Cause I, I'm slightly more concerned about the defense now after going through some of this film. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think losing Avery Bradley and not replacing that mm. position, I think is important. Uh, mm-hmm. because just, just losing, I think a guard from that rotation or making Matthews have to play out of his ideal role hurts you a bit. Like you said, going from two really good rim protectors off ball and Dwight is a really good on ball rim protector to Harrell and Gasol. I, it's different. I think it can still work. I think Gasol is still, you should view him like Howard in that he's going to drop in ball screens and he's going to be a good on ball post defender and off ball. He's going to be okay. Uh, so in that sense, if you know, he, he kind of brings that, but Harrell instead of McGee, I, he's definitely a step down in a lot of the, the ways that McGee was good. But I think there's a lot of potential to make more out of Harold than what the Clippers made out of him. And we'll get to mm-hmm. him in, in a little bit here and I'll talk more about that. But I'm I, just like you said, it's been a roller coaster. I see the ups. I see the downs. I see what we're for sure getting, but I also see what we're giving up, but I also see what there's potential to make more out of just because for several of these guys, I think the Lakers will put them in better positions to succeed than the incumbent teams from last season. Definitely. And, and it's always kind of a, a mystery, at least with what guys are going to look like around star players like LeBron James and Wesley Matthews, or Wesley Matthews. I'm trying to export the, the rest of those Wesley Matthews clips that, uh, Freudian slip, uh, with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You know, like these guys can make players better in ways we don't know quite yet and makes their lives easier uh in ways that have yet to be seen so i i'm optimistic but i just also a little worried about the strain it puts on anthony davis as a defender and um i'm just i guess yeah watching gasol his minutes in the playoffs and we'll get to that um once i i'm able we're able to look at the film more and kind of zoom in on what what concerns us but he's considerably slower footed than javel and you know, Boston in particular, they moved their ball screens with Tice up like super high on the court, like the way a Portland does. And Kemba, you know, was just able to attack Mark Gasol's like low, low, deep drop. Cause Mark's not going to sprint out there. You know, mm-hmm. if he moves toward Kemba and Kemba comes toward him, like it's, it's even harder for him to adjust and defend the rim. But then like that middle of the floor is wide open, that step up three is wide open. And even if you have an amazing guy going over screens, like that shot's still going to be there. And there's a lot of guys in our conference who will just murder us. Um, yep. even, even like a Steph Curry whose team might not match up as well. That, that particular weakness is starting to concern me a little bit. Yeah. And, and that's a weakness that you have a guy in Gasol that's less equipped to play more aggressive screen coverages than JaVale or Dwight were. 
and, and that's where you probably just end up benching him in a playoff series. If you in and, and put Harrell and Keith yeah. and A D and LeBron more in those positions to play that those other either switching or hard hedging or you running those catch hedges or shocking the ball or whatever it happens to be. I think we have the right pieces to do it. We're just not I think in general the Lakers have lost depth. We've lost yeah. guard depth. Like we literally just lost a dude for the play like as the playoffs were happening and it didn't really matter. We can't lose one of the guys we have left with this roster between Matthews, KCP, Caruso, and Schroeder and expect it to be okay. Uh, in terms of shot protection, shot blocking, rim protection depth, which was another thing that we see you, the listeners right now have identified as something you're concerned about. I think that's very true. If AD, well, AD in general going down isn't good, but if Gasol goes down, then you have no, like, Markeith and Harold, they're not at all those post defenders or shot blockers. We don't, we don't have extra guys. We were able to sit JaVale for like the whole playoffs and still have plenty of room protection. So I think you've identified the right areas. Um, Tom, you ready to go through some more film on Matthews? Yeah. 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 I'm uh, trying to queue up the right spot here because I got it all inputted. Uh, looks like this next one's against Miami. I think this is all pick and roll stuff. Mm hmm. So yep. something with Matthews to be aware of is he's been really good in, in ball screens. He's been good on, but he's been elite on ball, not great off ball, pretty good, you know, 70th, 75th percentile level ball screen defender. And a big difference between the off ball stuff and the on ball stuff is we'll see him not be taking those really super long strides and moving his momentum in the wrong directions. He, he closes space well, just like we saw with the on ball stuff. He trails and recovers well, just like we saw with the on-ball stuff and the off-ball stuff. But he's, you know, in better position, and he's taking those shorter, choppier steps to mm-hmm. get around the screens and, and do a much better job there. Yeah, like, for example, I'm trying to pause it at the right moment, but uh so they're going to kind of set a double, you know, drag for Jimmy here. And Wes does a good job of of icing it or weaking it at the right time. I'm sorry. I'm laughing because Jason just said, I swear Tim loves old dudes in the chat. And that made me laugh as I was talking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tim loves just a very specific undervalued market player. Um, And it's not like a player type. It's just whoever's undervalued, like your, your Jeff greens and your, uh, well, did it, wasn't Trey Burke on, uh, yeah. on your list last year? And he, he's turned around and made himself, uh, you know, a reliable role player. Yeah. But, he looked um, like an all-star against the Clippers, uh, backcourt defense. Stop. Pat, Pat stop. Beverly's trying to stop Trey Burke. It just can't stop. happen. You're embarrassing yours. Well, both of us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I'm kidding. But, but good question. We'll get to next time we're waiting and pulling film. I'll, I'll go pull up Taj Gibson. Taj Gibson's player profile and we can look at him because somebody in the chat was asking about him as a potential signing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting back to Matthew's ball screen stuff with a few of these clips, you'll see him either hop forward to give himself a better angle to get around screens, or you'll mm-hmm. also see him in a clip or two hop backward and be the yeah. one making the contact with the screen so that he's not knocked off balance. He uses that low center of gravity and then he's able to, turn much more easily to get around those screens than if the screener were the one making contact with him. So either moving forward or moving back, you see how antsy feet and this is something i noticed with harold when we get to him eventually is he's over antsy and 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 energetic and and just crazy happy feet and it's a bad thing for him because it's unnecessary it doesn't give him advantage any all of this motion here from from wesley matthews sorry coming off of uh like rejecting trying to get jimmy butler to reject this screen it all helps him by changing angles so you know, he changes angles each time to give him a better chance to stay in front of him and close that the angle that Butler has here. So all of right. that movement is, it might not seem necessary because Butler didn't make him pay for it, but that's why is because he, he made him work for it a lot more. And, and, and he's not playing dance dance revolution. He's not just dancing around no. as he moves, like he is moving 
to mirror what Jimmy is doing with Jimmy's footwork and with the ball. He is reacting to what he's seeing and preparing himself to move in the direction. It looks like Jimmy's going to have him move. And then as Jimmy, you know, puts the ball in a different direction or rips through or jab steps, he's adjusting along with that. All right. So we're moving on to a clip here against Orlando and still ball screen coverages. Looks like he's guarding Fournier on this one. Yeah. It's going to fight over the screen force a mid ranger. It's pretty good. Yeah. So that's what I like is a guy like Fournier is a guy who's going to be like a movement shooter, right? He'll catch ball off of a down screen or a pin down or a flare or something like that. And Matthews knows that and he's tracking him the whole time. So he, when he has his back to the, to the player, he's assuming the ball's getting in there and he's pressuring those lanes with his, putting his hands up, trying to just funk up those passing lanes. Cause he knows. I was going to say, and this is one where I think one of the weaker parts of his ball screen game is if you run someone off of an off ball screen first and then they catch and then they're immediately using a ball screen, whether it's on the mm. handoff or something like that. If you set him up by playing into that weaker technique and weaker ability with, with those pin downs or flare screens and then attack him in a ball screen, he's a little bit less able to, to handle the subsequent action. And I think that's what we see here a little bit. He really gets caught up in that screen. He tries to, he recovers pretty well, but, uh, it's a situation where he doesn't really have the opportunity to jump forward and try to get around that just because he's still recovering to the, the yeah. action that just happened. Yeah. He's, he is about like a half step behind at least on, on that, that play. Once he gets, uh, screened, he, the, the shots there, you know, he, he works to, to stay in the play, but yeah, I, I could see what you mean. You can see like guys like Damian Lillard and, um, uh, Jamal Murray, like that's going to be a concern for guys like that, unless you have like your KCP, Alex Caruso defending those guys instead. But, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's kind of where you, you almost want Matthews playing undersized against a bigger guy and he can kind of still manage a little bit, but the, the more guardy they are, the more he, uh, gets into trouble. Yeah, yeah, he use his quickness in matchups that his quickness is an advantage where where it is against those bigger guys. <laughs> Quick and thick. Use use his girth <laughs> and use that footwork to let him match up with those bigger dudes and be able to withstand any contact they give him and and use that good mirroring footwork uh getting around screens and handling those one-on-one iso situations. I I like that better. I'm okay with him being a, an inch or two shorter than what you would like because he does such a good job positionally through all of the things we talked about at whenever the shot does go up, he's in position, he's contesting and you're just going to need the offensive player to make a tough shot. I'm I'm more comfortable with that. All right, Tim, I'm going to throw it back to you because we got a few questions about a couple guys in the chat. So uh, let me know when you are ready for, uh, why don't we start with Taj Gibson? Sure. Okay. Let's pull up Gibson. And he is not someone I have, really looked much at. So I'm looking at his player profile right now. He offensively is a big roll and cut big defensively. He's been a mobile big, which tells us that he's been someone who in ball screen situations has been used fairly versatile. He might be a guy who can play more of those aggressive screen coverages. He's less of an anchor big. Uh, isn't versatile. Took on decently difficult matchups. Let's scroll down to his defensive rebounding. It was not very good. His success rate was quite poor this past season, 62%. And uh, his percentile is just slightly worse when you consider the context he's had. He does box out quite a bit. That, along with the poor individual rebounding, has him at just a, a slightly negative 46th percentile impact on the team's ability to grab defensive rebounds. Now, he is pretty good in offensive rebounds. Um, why don't we, we can cover his whole game, not just his defense. So let's see. He's not a shooter. We see from these stars, he hasn't been taking many threes, not an ISO guy in terms of getting to and finishing at the rim. He finishes pretty well. Uh, B plus there in terms of his field goal percentage at the rim, A minus, uh, that finishing at rim rating, not much of a playmaker. It looks like as a role guy, he's been a good roller, 94th percentile impact and he'll, he'll, Switched up rolling and slipping and popping a good bit. Uh, has a plenty of screen assists. He's a post player. If we think about what kind of post player he is, he's often trying to finish at the rim. He's not taking jumpers, taking some hook shots, 
Uh, he's often facing up or driving middle, doesn't go baseline all that much. Um, posts up at the left block more often. He's not passing much out of those. Uh, let's get into the defense. So as an interior defender, looks pretty good. Perimeter defender, this is more of the, again, the activity rather than impact stuff. Um, his overall impact this past season does not appear to have been good on either end of the court. A little bit better defensively and off than offensively, but uh, not much was made out of him in New York this past season. So I don't know. That could be a guy you look at. He's more, I can see him as being a player that offensively is just kind of in that uh, dunker spot or setting screens for dudes and defensively you use him like a Markeith Morris or potentially how I was thinking with the Dwayne Dedman, where he's able to play different kinds of more aggressive screen coverages. I, I think the trouble with him is he, he just can't space the floor. So that makes it tough for him to play with Harrell. It's tough for him to play um, unless he's with one of those floor spacing bigs, which we have a few of. So I don't know. I'm not thrilled. I can, if he came to the Lakers, I can see how it could fit, but uh, he wouldn't be, I don't know. He's, he's not someone I'm, I'm crossing my fingers to go grab. Yeah. I'm curious kind of what he looks like in his pick and roll defense. Cause that's, you know, that's what I'm concerned the most about is somebody who's able to have the quickness and foot speed to challenge guys on the pull up, which, you know, watching the film, putting together what Gasol's weak at, what Harold's weak at, um, that's, that's concerning. We, to yeah. Me. Well, we can dig more into him another time. Why don't we, uh, get through the rest of this Lakers roster. Um, he can be a guy we look at another time with, with film we grab. But uh, the last thing I would say with him is he's been primarily a drop coverage big that mixes in some switching, but not a whole lot, maybe like 10, 15% of his possessions. He's not someone that's been used to double team a whole lot, but he's been a uh, hard hedge big quite often. Um, relative okay. to other bigs. So he's, he would fit that more mobile big kind of category. If you're looking for a guy in the playoffs who can play different screen coverages, uh, be more versatile than like a Marcus who's just like a drop coverage kind of big. Um, again, just offensively, it makes it tough because he just can't shoot and he can't do much other than finish dump offs. And he's already an undersized guy. He, he would be a six, nine center essentially. So, so we talked about Matthews. The, I guess the way, the other wings on the roster would be LeBron, who's been more of that helper defender. He's, he's more mm-hmm. of a rotator. He's really good at it. He's going to defend the rim as a secondary defender at the rim. He'll even take charges. He'll pick passes off. His defensive impact last season in that helper role was an A or an A and a B, depending on which impact metric you look at. So I'm happy keeping him in that position. And then Kyle Kuzma is the other guy who he's, Oh, I think a wing stopper sometimes more of a perimeter big at other times, um, defending kind of shooting threes or shooting fours off ball. He would be my breaking case of emergency wing stopper that the team could use, but I would prefer to have Matthews out there or AD or LeBron potentially before him. Um, but I guess to, to slot AD and LeBron properly, you could just have Kuz, you could throw Kuz out there as one of those uh, wing stoppers and often teams throw more than one guy at a scoring wing. So that could be an interesting fit for him defensively. I think it's important to not trade him until you know uh, that West Matthews is looking pretty good in that wing stopper role. Um, and then getting to the big. So, so.
Like my takeaways, like I said before, Harold, uh, gets happy feet. He is over enthusiastic and against a guy like Jokic, he's just waiting for that moment when your feet come off the ground a little and he's already got the size advantage and he gets into you. He, he'll face up against Harold and then literally just wait for Harold to move his feet a little bit and open up a lane. And then once you have a little bit of room to get the shoulder ahead of him, you know, he just, bullies Harold and uses that size advantage. Um, there's stuff where Harold's jumping, passing lanes, like literally jumping to contest like a Mason Plumley high post, uh, you know, passing angle and Plumley just drops it off, you know, like goes around him cause he jumped for no reason. Just lots of mental errors. I think with, with Harold that I, that I saw in the film, it's like mental errors of, and, and poor technique. That's, coachable but there's sometimes where he would close out and it would look lazy and I just wonder I really wonder Tim like seeing how he played on the floor if he wanted to be there I I don't I haven't gotten that same characterization from from watching some of the film um I I don't know maybe I'm either poor at doing that or I, I just try to try to keep it out like he's good at this he's not good at that um for sure more so than like trying to assume some of the the more mental stuff I, I will say that his technique is poor with closeouts which is the case for a lot of bigs um, taking, you know, jumping at guys, taking longer strides. You want to close out with hands up with choppy steps and be ready to move if you need to move um, his post defense. He's undersized, but I, I think what he can do to improve that would be to use his quickness to his advantage and really do a lot of his work pre-catch by doing what we saw the Lakers do against Jokic in the playoffs where they had someone uh, three quarter, Jokic, which means you don't fully front him. And, and that's another thing you could do with Harold, but you don't fully front him. You have him on the, the high side where three quarters of Jokic's body are kind of covered by you. And the offense has to throw the ball to a very specific place. And then if they're able to execute that, then you use his quickness to get back behind on the catch. So that helps deter post opportunities in a less risky way than just fully fronting. Cause if you get beat fronting, you, you're screwed. Um, this will let him deter that, but then get behind if needed. Um, his technique on drop coverage and I, a couple of the clips I sent over to you show him just kind of not being in the position you want him to be in when drop coverage. He is very active and it looks like he's doing stuff, but every like motion he makes, he doesn't have a base. He doesn't have a, a squared, uh, foot foundation. And every time he takes a step, his step isn't like under his shoulders, right? He's, he's taking long strides and I don't know if just watch this play and he's, he's so easily beat with that crossover Jamal Murray at no point is stressed out about having Montrez Harrell switched onto him in this play. And he's under control the entire time. And, yeah. it might and look he's like Harrell harasses him, but he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's going out further than he needs to. He's not on balance. He's, he has that happy feet, but not in a purposeful way. 
and he like uh, happy feet i say i i would say is a negative term he doesn't use yes. his feet in a purposeful way and he's reaching and overextending himself while simultaneously giving murray a, a high foot to attack and i i think i sent over a couple of plays where he does this he is not a great switch defender from a, mm-hmm. a technique standpoint physically he should be able to be better so as is I don't have the utmost confidence in him in that position, but more can be made of the physical tools you have with him. Uh, some of the other clips I sent along have to do with either him rotating over to take a charge or a, for a couple of them, he's uh, rotating over to block a shot or even in situations where he's uh, a ball screen big man and he might be out of position. He's still able to use that quickness to recover to where he should go. Um, or like he's hard hedging and then he has the quickness to recover to the big man and defend that role to the rim in the short role. So there's a lot there physically that you can make more out of. It's just a matter of cleaning up the technique and using him smarter based on who you're playing against. Yeah. And I'm pulling that clip up now. If you want to check it out, there's one uh, against Dallas where he recovers with his speed and quickness and, and, that's something you'd like to see. He doesn't use that as much on defense as he does on offense, uh, to his advantage. And he can just be smarter, I think. And he'll, I think, grow a lot as a player this year. I, I'm really confident of, uh, of that, that he'll just improve being around really, really good experienced guys. But this is an athletic play, Tim, to be able to hedge and recover like this and, and still contest and make a great block at the rim. Yep. And he's not starting off in the position you want him to be. You, you want him to be more level with the ball. He's, he's kind of in between. He's almost in a like no hedge territory where he's yeah. not deterring a drive at all. Um, but he's also he not like sticking close on his guy a lot. Yeah. He sits back and waits for the coverage to come to him. And you don't always want to like blitz a guy, but you need to engage a little bit. Uh, sorry to interrupt. That was just, he sits back in his drop too, too much for my liking. And it's not that he's even deep. He's just kind of planted right. at the elbow right. in a way that isn't really helping any anything that the defense is doing. It's putting him out of position to recover to defend a shot at the rim. And by doing that, you're more susceptible to committing a foul or getting beat. Thankfully, on this play, he has the quickness to recover. But that is something that needs to be cleaned up. That that should be that drive shouldn't even. Definitely. And, uh, we got a lot more to talk about this week. We'll be digging probably into these four players for the considerable future, I would guess. But my man Tim's got a heart out soon. Do you want to do a little bit on Gasol or do you want to save him for next yeah. time? No, no, we're good. Uh, right, cool. I have about another 15 minutes. So Harold, I think you want him as a perimeter big. Uh, Markeith, you want him as that mobile big where he's more in the ball screen actions, uh, but able to do whatever different coverage you want him to do. He's, I'm also fine with him being a perimeter big, but he's less of a rotating kind of guy. I think Trez is stronger as a rotator than Markeith is. And the quickness, the physicality, the force, the shot blocking, the charge taking, all of that has to do with that. Um, Gasol is going to be an anchor big and he's going to tr- play drop coverage. And that's about it. Uh, yeah. don't feel great about him in ISO. He, again, like I mentioned before, he's kind of like Dwight where in the playoffs, there will be series where we may just bench him or his minutes may be limited to just one stint because he will be susceptible to certain things defensively. If the other team has dynamic guards that put your defense in a, in a position where they're going to have to be overcoming some of those, uh, some of those physical limitations. And then AD, I don't even know what defensive role I wanted to put him as. He can pretty much do everything. I just want him all over the place. Uh, I think, I guess he would be, let me see what he was last year. My guess is perimeter big and, and LA really tapped into that. Yeah. Okay. Perimeter big. AD was a perimeter big last year, meaning he was more the power forward off ball, off action sort of big man that was able to just recover and rotate and cause a lot of trouble by defending the rim. So I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, in the playoffs, he was obviously much more versatile than the C plus, uh, in the regular, these, this right here is regular season stuff. He is incredibly versatile, can take on any of these jobs, but 
that that's really what he looks like. So Marcus Saul, really the hole you have with these players is you need another anchor big. And that's where he shows up. And let's take a look at some of his data. He's a pretty good interior defender. And A, in terms of limiting shots at the rim, he contests a lot of shots at the rim, which we see with these two rows. Uh, he gets a good number of blocks. His block rate on contest is average. Uh, the shooting at the rim against him is worse than against the average player. I think this B doesn't look all that hot if we filter him against anchor bigs. Let's see. Let's take a look at that rim defense against other anchor bigs. Um, yeah, so compared to other anchor bigs, he's about average as a rim protector, which is fine. Um, but he's, he, we'll see in these clubs, he's a bit more limited just in terms of his mobility and that will, uh, hurt him at different points in time. Yeah, Mark, uh, Mark's very slow with the feats and, and his drops are very deep. And if you set a ball high, like that mid range shot's going to be there all the time, deep drops and he can get beat behind by a guy like Tice. who has got a lot more foot speed. That's why that, that high ball screen, they just kept running it over and over with Gasol, um, pulling him out of the paint, letting Kemba just go to work on him, you know, in and out dribble here and, Kemba's nasty, you know, Kemba can score. He's, he's a great player, but this it shouldn't be this easy to get a layup at the rim in the playoffs. You know, this is Marcus Stoll clips from the playoffs. So, you know, he's, he's going to give up against those small, uh, pull up shooters, uh, a lot of opportunities. So we'll get into much more, uh, Gasol soon. I don't want to take too much of Tim's time, but. Uh, thank you guys for joining us in the chat. We'll try and come back on Wednesday with a little a bit more footage and uh, just try and dig deeper into these guys. And Tim, anything uh, before you go, you want to say bef- with uh, in terms of the defense? So I, I think overall the Lakers have the right pieces to be able to play the right types of defense like they did last season in the playoffs. They added a wing stopper. They, I think can make much more out of Matthews and Harold than their previous teams did by putting into putting them into better roles. I think overall this team can still be a, a really, really good defensive unit. Uh, Gasol is the one more limited guy who it's just, you know, he can do what he does and you're not going to be able to make a whole lot more out of him than, than what we've seen already. But with the rest of them, I think there's clear room for improvement Harold can be an average defender instead of a, a really poor defender like he has been the past couple seasons. Schroeder, I think, is a good point of attack on ball guy, fits in well and offensively he brings plenty of value. Um, I'm, I still think this is going to be a really good defensive team in the regular season. Not super concerned about it. And we may see if the team doesn't sign another center, we might see Harold playing five, which will make him look worse than he otherwise could. And we may see the team just running standard coverages where 80 is all not that versatile and we're running a lot of drop coverage and Wesley Matthews might be more a chaser than a wing stopper. But then once we get to the playoffs and 80 is playing the five, that'll free Mark Montrez Harrell up to play more his natural position as the power forward. Um, we might see the rotation shortening up a bit. We might see more West Matthews wing stopper. I, I just see all of the right stuff is there. The, the, hand that Frank Vogel has been dealt is everything he needs and we might not see everything come out to play in the regular season but for the playoffs I feel really good about this team you just want to make sure that everybody's healthy getting to that point because if any one of these different pieces falls out of this rotation you start to have a lot of problems because you're just more vulnerable in ways because you don't have second or third options in specific areas. Well, that makes me confident that you are, uh, feeling good about it. I, I guess I think the drop off on defense will be more significant, but yeah, Tim, fin- finishing up with this, uh, this poll you had out there, what does it look like? Uh, I think only one person has responded, but uh, on that same Menti link using that same code, you can go in and rank from one to 30 what you think the Lakers regular season defense will look like. I, I will say somewhere in the, five to ten range maybe that that looks even better in the playoffs i personally feel like it's going to be like 11 to 15 now uh because i'm just not sure if the just 
dedication to it in the regular season will be there. They they could end up being not the 15th worst defense in the league, but in the regular season, maybe they just aren't full strength all the time. And that slips a couple spots, but I, I think they're good. I don't think that it's their like clearing away strength anymore, but we'll have plenty more time to go over that this season. Tim threw up the Menti link and code once more in the chat. And uh for all you listeners out there, please feel free to follow us on twitch.tv slash Lakers Exceptionalism Pod. We're trying to stream at 10 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. Uh and if the time changes, we'll let you all know on tw- on Twitter and Twitch. But until then, uh we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks so much. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.